Okay, trying to record an intro to this butchered audio podcast that I put together over the last couple days. Um, more apologies. Uh, you'll hear more in the episode, but it sounds like I'm in a fishbowl half the time. It's chopped together. I mean, I didn't really cut anything, but there's a couple times I recorded and it was just crap, so I just restarted. But I didn't cut anything out. It was just stream of consciousness, me thinking aloud. But it does sound not great. And there's weird segments that just cut out. So I don't know if that's the app I'm listening to, if it'll sound better for you guys. I, I, I hope it sounds better. I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's the app I'm using for right now. So, I hope this, I hope this isn't, you know, bad, bad enough to not make it all the way through, or I, I hope you click on it to begin with. Either way, thank you for listening. And, uh, the Twitter handle... I say at the end of the episode, it kind of got garbled, so it's Cerebral Cyborg, Cyborg, my god, I need to freaking learn to dictate better, um, Cerebral Cyborg, and C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L-C-Y-B-O-R-G, and I'll leave you with that. More introduction time, I, uh only think that the, the point of this podcast will basically be tracking my progress, if any is made, to uh, me actually getting on stage and hopefully creating bits out of the couple concepts I have and probably some relative interviews and other aspiring comics if I can suss them out of the woodworks, but for right now, this is just gonna be me talking, figuring out what the point of this podcast will be, so I apologize in advance for any ramblings, but if you want, just go ahead and skip. 10 podcasts or whatever forward till an actual interview shows up because it might not be all that interesting just listening to me ramble seeing as I'm going to be on the road a lot while recording this I want to go ahead and apologize if it's just beyond knowing that there's traffic noises in the background and sound of an AC spout warm air trying to unfreeze me this morning. So this basic concept came to me just obviously because I'm trying to move forward somehow and being a comic, getting on stage, not being such a depressive piece of shit all the time. There's still a lot of work to be done, so while I'm trying to suss that out, I'm going to just, like I said, ramble a lot, kind of 
some shit in my head and put it on tape so I can actually hear it. Figure out how I sound on a recording and maybe maybe try and hear some of my own voice to figure out my cadence. See if there's a better, more economical way to speak. Whenever it comes down to actually recording it, not getting so caught up in my own fucking words because I can't, for some reason, form a sentence correctly, or at least efficiently. I don't know what it is, but as soon as I start recording, I get it in my own head. It's definitely harder to get some of these thoughts out.
Brayden at 13. And then from then on, I mean, I really didn't love much. So I really think that it has something to do with I love being taken away so young and that being a building block for like the foundation of my existence. I'm so complacent about everything. Why it took me so long just to start creating some kind of art. I mean, even if it is podcast form, some kind of something besides doodles and half-written jokes to put something into the world that, I don't know, could help somebody, could at least help me maybe have some semblance of sanity. Yeah. It's the revelation for the drive home. I don't know. More to come. Day two, recording thoughts, feelings, ideas for the podcast. Uh, noticing how much I've already apologized for the various shit aspects of this podcast. So, <laughs> apologize for apologizing so much. Um, thought I'd go ahead and backstory so somebody could actually know who the fuck they're listening to. Um, and that was the alarm to make sure to get to work. My name is Eric Stanford, uh, born in Texas, about 28 years old now. Basically had a relatively shit life in Texas. And, you know, fun. There's nobody that doesn't grow up. I, uh, as mentioned before, multitude of deaths had to deal with throughout my life. Um, starting with my grandmother at age seven. She, uh, she died of leukemia. Having lady was a strong, strong contender. She had it for like seven years or something. Doctor told her she was gonna die like the first year that she got it, and just survived for a good almost decade. You know, basically giving her family some more time, giving me a chance to meet her. Because if she had died, I would never know my grandmother. But she passed it. About seven years old. Um, second, checking my directions because it's taking me a fucking weird route. Um, she died about seven, leukemia. Then that, I mean, I still vividly remember going and thinking that her where she was in the back of the house because she did not necessarily quarantine because of fucking cancer. No one's going to catch it, but she had definitely been, yeah, yeah, more or less quarantined because she was on bed rest. She was taking the chemo and was just so bruised up. She was a banana. 
straight up. She, like, you touch her skin five, ten minutes later, there'd be a bruise there. She was, she was a ripe banana, and she was so weak. I think that she basically wasn't getting out of bed at the last point, and then you know, me going in there, saying goodbye to her. And then, or saying how much I love her, saying and talking to her for a little while, and then 10 minutes later going and saying goodbye to her. I might have been one of the last people to say goodbye to her. And then just bawling in my mom's arms for about like an hour. And unfortunately, I remember some of the funeral crap and all that. And then, of course, bits and pieces of the funeral. But yeah, I remember, I remember coming in to talk to her after or coming in to see if she was still alright after she had passed and she finding out that she definitely was not. So, I guess the story starts there. Seven years old. Mom was... Best way to describe her was a fucking hellion. She was absolutely insane. Um, sneaking out of the house since like 12 years old. My grandparents were, I mean, they're, first off, you know, grandma obviously passed, grandpa was a great person, and was, but he was from an old school mentality, so he was born in the 30s. They're both from Mississippi. They both got kind of that Bible Belt mentality behind them. Grandma was extremely neurotic, and grandpa wasn't, I don't want to say abusive, but could be physical at times, and no, definitely mentally abusive at certain points. I mean, maybe not directly and intentionally, but he did not have the best way of raising or rearing children because one was an insane person who almost killed someone with heroin one time by injecting them, or actually did kill them, but didn't, but got away with it because I think she didn't inject it directly. She was just there. Um, another son, my mother's son, uh, was raised by my grandparents after my mom was far too incapacitated at like 15 to take care of him when she had him. And he became an alcoholic and just passed this last month uh, from basically not to try and give too much away about my family, but fuck it, you're going to hear it all anyway, it's my life, uh, speed addiction. Was a speed addict for a long time, had narcolepsy, and his heart just gave out. But alright, back to the back to the beginning. So grandma passed. Mom was an insane person seeking out from from real young ages, causing my grandparents all kinds of stresses, and my aunt, who more or less just turned into a neurotic insane person herself because of the backlash that my grandparents had to deal with raising my insane mother. Um, mom, alcoholic, uh, all every drug you could think of at least, you know, a dozen times in her life probably. Uh, I really think that her biggest problem was alcohol. I know she had issues with heroin at certain points, but she was in recovery trying to become a drug counselor at a women's hospital. Um, she was going to college for it, actually trying to make some moves in her life. And then I guess my grandma was just, it, it was too much for her. She was completely distraught 
and even though you know she she was doing well for herself living in an apartment by herself i was already at my grandparents at that point because she was kind of unfit to raise me as well she had done it up until about eight and then grandma died in that last year actually i think she had done it up to about seven and then i think i moved in with my grandparents seven or eight and then or well my grandpa because he's the one who left and I think my aunt might have been there to help him out, but either way, moved in with my grandparents, my grandpa. He was taking care of me while she was trying to get her shit together. And one night, she I, it's most likely a suicide because there were so many pills in her stomach that she didn't have some digested when they went to do the autopsy. That was just one thing that always stuck out significantly as a kid that they didn't even her body didn't even work through all of the pills before it gave up, so she most likely downed the bottle. Um, Grandpa thought it might have been just she was drinking and took one and forgot, and it doesn't happen. Um, at least not to that extent. Um, but suicide, I think that was around 9 or 10 been 2000. It was before 9-11, so it was, yeah, I was 9. Two, how long it was until the funeral. I remember hearing it. I was playing with my dog, Shirley. It's an awesome Border Collie German Shepherd mix I had as a kid. Most sheddedest, fluffiest. Uh, she had dreads at one point. I didn't keep up with her. I didn't fucking should have brushed that dog, but she was an amazing dog. She got out, went somewhere on 30 acres, and hopefully lived a happy life before she got eaten by coyotes at an old age hell maybe still running around with them. but uh, mom passed suicide held it together a couple weeks and then got to the funeral and just fell apart completely bald every ounce of my being out and as soon as I saw her body laying in the casket I think I even like went and touched her reins or something and checked her out. It was just, it was a little creepy. Uh, so, then there's that. If you want to just keep going with death, it was my dad after that, who, my dad was barely around as a kid. Um, I maybe had two dozen interactions with him that I remember at least, maybe less that I remember, probably about 50 interactions altogether, I, I wouldn't doubt, because the man was just, he was a truck driver, he was never there, he, I know my mom got pregnant with me in Houston, because that's where we were living at the time, she moved to more central Texas, and I guess he just kept truck driving because yeah I don't remember seeing him at all and I'm guessing she moved because he didn't have any she didn't have any support from him and he took me out like a couple times in school and we hung out but I never grew to know or really like the man because he tried bringing me around girlfriends and just it, 
the whole scene was just not great that I remember. I remember multiple times crying in his presence, not wanting to be with him or just to go home. Not constantly. I think I enjoyed my dad at some points, but I remember there was a time he like forced me to eat eggs and I was crying eating. I fucking couldn't eat eggs for like 10 years after that. <laughs> like for real, I was, I was scarred. I was scrambled eggs literally turned my stomach for a minute because of the the trauma of that incident like I I don't exactly remember why I wouldn't eat them or if I was just not hungry but I think he just got pissed and was just like I made this fucking food for you there's nothing else to eat you need sustenance and so shove it down your throat and yeah crying eating eggs is a 11 year old or 10 year old or whatever. it's not a good scene <laughs> and dad's little one bedroom apartment smelling of cigarettes um but he died 12 well yeah I want to say 12 uh he had been an alcoholic as well and just not you know shitty body from having done so many things serrated liver I believe was his ultimate he, he got a serrated liver he was either spent money or just he was broke he was broke as a joke and he was living in the Salvation Army walking up the steps one day he broke his leg apparently blood clot in his leg that they did not notice whenever they were I don't know if they did x-rays or whatever but whenever they were casting it up and all the process beforehand they didn't know that there was a blood clot in his leg waiting to, to murder him and he uh, was sleeping in his bed one night and the blood clot broke free and shot up into his heart and pulmonary embolism and he died. So that was 12. It didn't really affect me much at that point. I already dealt with my grandmother and my mom. I was pretty numb. Didn't give I think I, I shed a tear, I'm not gonna lie, I definitely shed a tear and was remorseful at a point about my dad, but it was not, that was probably the most emotion I showed or felt about that man, and actually probably my whole life, because I hardly remember what I, the time I did spend with him, and he was in here, like, that's just a fact, 28, 17 years, he's been gone longer than he's been I, at this point, have next to no feelings about him. Uh, great aunt. Uh, 13, yeah. She was eating Christmas dinner with the kids. Uh, or she had been eating off of a table. This is where they think the infection started. That she was eating off of a table that had been post-dinner. So there's just, you know, food sitting out, more or less slowly building bacteria and rotting, because I think two hours or something in it can have botulism in it. She uh, ate something that she should not have got an infection in her spine. Bacterial meningitis, literally one in a million people get it. So I mean, like 300 a year or something like that, five 500 a year at this point, however big the United States is. But, but pretty rare in, in the relativeness of humans. Um, 
was on life support, I believe, machine, straight up keeping her alive in a coma for like less than a week, I want to say. And my uncle, my great uncle, yeah, this is actually my grandma's sister, so is my great aunt, not my aunt. Um, my great uncle, E.G., had to pull the plug, which that man, he was already kind of a dick and already had so much crap in his life that uh, that that did not make him any better of a man. He just got a little bit more bitter after that. I love the man, but he was always a bit of a, a stern, stern individual. <clears throat> so he had to pull a plug on her. She passed 13. That was another massive... That, that one was akin to my grandmother. Maybe not as much, but I loved my, my great aunt. She was just one of the sweetest, nicest ladies in the world. Loved everybody. Everybody loved her. So fucking funny. She was hilarious for like a 60, 70 year old. Like dead lady can freaking cut up. Hours and hours of solitaire, checkers, of chess. I've played. I, I played so many board games with her. I, I really did love my aunt. Almost, almost getting a little teary just thinking about her. I haven't thought about her in a while. And then, um, and then my grandpa. He was just straight up old age. Alan, wasn't anybody between my grand my grandpa and that was 13 to 25 24 I think my grandpa passed at 25 or 24 2015 I want to say I'm terrible with dates and his was just old age it's I mean, it was a little bit brought on health wise because he had been living at home uh, we had this awesome 30 acres out in Texas, actually down the street from my aunt and uncle. Uh, it's about a mile out of this little podunk white trash town, Florence. And uh, he had been living at home by himself, which is just really sad. I think my brother at one point went out there to live with them. So at multiple points, my 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 aunt went out. My my actual aunt, not great aunt, went out and lived with him for a little while. And she had to move more north, closer to her job, because she was driving like two hours a day. Then my brother moved out there for a little while, and then he started falling on his own time. I think I moved out there for a little while, actually before. It was actually right before I became homeless and lost my leg, which, fun story coming up. Um, I was out there for a little while and then just decided to more or less give up and go just be homeless for a while. And he, um, he was by himself, I think, fixing. Oh, shit fixing a fence line and um, he uh, had oh, crap I'm gonna have to pause this real quick so I can get my directions going or I'll be late to work 
Alright, back to the death cast. Where was I? Great aunt. Grandpa. Grandpa was fixing a fence line because he was still a damn cowboy at 78 years old or whatever. And... Actually, I think he... Whatever. He was fixing a fence line. 30 acres. Big old... We had six cows, I think, for uh, insurance purposes for the land or for... Uh, whatever, to make the taxes on the land lower. We had like six cows to keep up with. Um, and the fence line had been jumped by a bull and it was broken at one point. He, um, he went out there to fix it. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty simple procedure. Just sticking a stake in the ground, wrapping some barbed wire around it. He went out there to fix it. I think the bull knocked him over. I want to say the bull knocked him over or something happened while he was trying to fix it. He fell, broke his hip. Um, I don't even know how he made it back to the house if he was all the way out on the fence line. Either way, he made it back to the house or there was a neighbor there helping him and they, you know, get him through the hospital nonsense. He's basically bedridden at home, so they have to stick him in, they can't pay for hospice, have to stick him in a nursing home, my aunt does, and he lives there two years, year and a half, lives there about, and then passes pretty, uh, eh, pretty calmly, relatively, and, uh, is about 75 and then now to the, the final one which is well I guess um, technically right after that my great-uncle did pass not six months after that or something maybe a year and he had he just had a massive stroke um, he was oof yeah, that man, the, the way they told us is he passed away before he hit the floor. So he was just out. And my, my um, cousin, I guess technically, but I call her my Aunt Sharon, my, uh, my cousin Josh's mom, his daughter, my Uncle Luigi's daughter, found him, unfortunately, um, basically the next day because he stroked out at night, hit the floor, died for at the floor. They they were at a game, away game or something for the kids. They didn't see him there. They thought was everything was all right and then, you know, he wasn't out and about, so they just thought he was asleep. They checked on him the next morning. Yeah, not a good scene. And then um I want to say 2016. Yeah, 2016 or 2017, and then my brother, 41-year-old brother, just uh, October 8th. This is the 20th of November, so just a month ago, a little over a month ago. Um, he more or less had a lot of the same issues my mom did, alcoholism. Uh, we, 
we're all kind of insane. Well, not kind of. We're all pretty freaking insane. And mom was probably the craziest. My brother is definitely up there. Same with my cousin. And then I'm the baby of the bunch as far as insanity goes. But we're all, we all got our shit. Had our shit. Um, my brother, alcoholic, unfortunately had narcolepsy, which I think he had narco. The story kind of got muddled a little bit, but the, the basic thing is he had uh, narcolepsy since about 10, or at least signs of it. They were uh, showing his uh, him sleepwalking and stuff. Another pause. Okay, brother, narcoleptic, uh, 10 years old, first started, no oh, crap. first started noticing him, uh, sleepwalking, and then, I, I would not have been surprised if he used speed in high school, but I don't really have any knowledge of it, um, I know... Him and my cousin were like psychedelics, and we definitely had some stories about my mom and them hanging out. So, definitely psychedelics were had, but I'm not sure about how much hard, how many hard drugs were used. But he, uh, from about 18, was prescribed Adderall to stay awake during the day. And I don't know when it started, but at some point he was prescribed Xanax as well and GHB. Take a second to let that set in. Uh, prescribed Xanax and DHP to get to sleep at night. So you have a regular sleep schedule, basically. Because I don't know if anybody knows this, narcolepsy, your brain doesn't hit REM sleep at the right time. So you, you sleep like you regularly would, like anybody regularly would, but your brain hits REM sleep either the last two hours or for not long enough at the beginning of the dream cycle. I think it's it's more likely the it only hits like the last hour or two where you get any REM sleep, if any at all, and your brain just tries to compensate the rest of the day by making you fall asleep slowly. So we had that speed to stay awake, fucking barbiturates and GHB to get to sleep, and from 18 to 41, the dude was on some form of speed or another. He was on some amphetamine or another. And obviously, just, you know, 41, his body just fucking gave up. Like, a little too young, but dude had a good life. And had a daughter, had a granddaughter. Had so many friends that never, ever had a bad word to say about the man. But... Yeah. Um, so, this is the death cast. <laughs> um, no. What else can I really say about me? It's always, always just breaks into about an hour-long spiel of who all died in my life. I ever go to explain myself. And then, of course, you know, me from... 14, I think is when I first smoked weed. 14 to now have been an avid drug user.
either, well, 14 to 17, I was really searching. 14 found my first hit, a couple hits of pot, and it was my friend's, uh, <laughs> my best friend, Austin Brown. If he's still out there, I know he is, but he's fucking caught up in so much family shit that he's not really there. <laughs> no, I love you, Austin. Um, but no, he uh, had his, he would search his parent shit. They uh, had swag, and that was the beginning of my drug use, really. But, alright, so I'm not chewing on the podcast, I'm gonna fucking pause this because I have to eat breakfast. Alright, finally done chewing. <laughs> um... Um, I think I was just describing my brother and his unfortunate passing, but uh, I guess now a little bit more about me because mm, in describing me, I basically just have to describe a lot of tragedy, which I'm trying to move, move forward from because it's it's a part of who I am, it's not who I am. But I need to remind myself that constantly because it's fucking so much a part of who I am. Reeling from death or being numb to death or having, what's the word, um, insights about life because of death. All of these things have obviously shaped who I am, but yeah, I try not to, or I'm trying not to have them be who I am exclusively moving forward because that's just fucking depressing. <laughs> when it comes down to it, I am a depressing individual sometimes. I can be pretty fucking happy, but I can also be Alright, so I guess a little bit more about me. There's going to be a lot more nonsense going forward for at least a little bit because just got more crap to describe. But. So, uh, four or five deaths, six, five, four deaths leading up to 2010. Grandma, mom, dad, or great aunt, then dad, and then, was it 13 to about 20, was, you know, me obviously exploring drugs, 14 smoking weed for the first time, then 14 to 17 just searching every nook and cranny I could to be able to find anything to get me fucked up, to make me not here, make me not physically or mentally in the same space as where all this death is happening. Oh yeah, so friends started stealing weed from his parents, Schwag, at about 14. Best friend, Austin Brown. I still consider him one of my best friends, even though we've fallen out of touch a lot. Um, but, uh, he started stealing weed at 14. We started smoking. I moved to 
actually maybe it was 13. I moved to uh, from Florence, Texas, this population of a thousand plus people, to a little bit north to Georgetown, Texas, um, about 50,000 people, so a little bit bigger of a town, still a pretty small town. And it all came down to 14. I, you know, had seen so much death, tired of dealing with it. There was an incident with my friends where I felt abandoned and I had more or less just invited myself along somewhere I shouldn't have been. Got ditched by them pretty obviously, like they purposely ditched me and then as I was like walking home I saw them running back over to the friend's house. Long story bullshit. Basically that night I swallowed a bunch of the antidepressants I had just been put on to deal with my mom's death. On my stomach the next day, 10 days in a crazy kid asylum. Uh, padded walls in a couple spots, like kids yelling and screaming and bouncing off of them. Freaking literally one kid came in and sliced his wrist from taking like 30 Xanax and had kids addicted to the crack, like literally came in and said that they, that their brother would just like throw them baggies of crack to, to help them, you know, one, get addicted to, and then two, to start dealing. So they, I, it was some, some messed up stuff. Already alcoholic kids at like 13 years old, 14 years old. <clears throat> so I saw all that and got a little bit of edification about some drugs and whatnot. And then just, yeah. Decided I didn't want to be as depressive and well, I was still depressed, but I didn't want to try and kill myself again anytime soon because I would have to end up either not around to enjoy the, you know, my potentially friends make my family, and then if I fail again, end up in a place like that. So, uh, brother moved me out of Florence at fourteen to go to Georgetown, went to Georgetown from freshman year of high school and graduated, uh, not Georgetown High, but a place, a little charter school across the way from Georgetown High. Went to Georgetown for three years, uh, made some of the closest friendships in my life. One of the closest friendships in my life, definitely. Um, I'll just say his first name, James give a shit that I said his name on a podcast, but, uh, um, where is I going with this? More or less just describing me, I guess. Uh, about 17, 16, started getting hardcore into psychedelics, which I was just stealing from my brother, because I... Or I did have a couple of resources in the town that I had to be able to get stuff. And this one guy, Vince, was fantastic. Hippie Vince was one of the best, one of the best dudes on the planet. I fucking love that guy. He was just the definition of the enlightened hippie. Like the dude that had been doing it for 20 years and, you know, broken through and figured some shit out. And actually was able to help others similar way. Alright, well, I guess I got five minutes to work. I can podcast a little bit more. Uh, 
searched rampantly for psychedelics of any kind, started stealing them from my brother, accidentally, uh, accidentally ate at least a quarter of a vial of acid one time. Maybe a little bit more, but I, it, all of these stories to come. Uh, lots and lots of psychedelics, mushrooms, acid. Brother, when I was in Florence, first psychedelic ever, which I actually have tattooed on my chest, was DMT. And brother, right after, I think, Nash might have been before, I think it was right after my suicide. Um, I don't know how long, but he smoked DMT with me and he made sure to give me the full three tokes and make me break through all the way. And whoo, did I, did I completely leave this plane of existence and have an amazing experience. Moved to Georgetown. Mushrooms, acid, acid was always my favorite. Went to dozens of raves. And then everything basically started falling apart when I was 18. I graduated high school. Around that time, I got my first official on the record POM. And then went to live with my grandpa for a little while. Or no, 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 no. Okay. Went to live with my brother's girlfriend, who he, I think, might have been staying with as well. No, 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 he was staying somewhere else. Either way, I was living with my brother's girlfriend in Austin, Texas. She, she was a cool person, but I was a dumbass. And ended up, I'm almost positive it was speed that I was smoking when she saw it, but she had a little girl, two-year-old. The girl, the little girl had seen me, seen me smoking, and I believe it was speed that I was smoking, but I, I was just trying to supplement a little bit of speed to, to, to be like coffee, more or less, and get myself going throughout the day. And then got kicked out from there, was homeless with my grandpa, went to be homeless in Austin for about a year, and I just did so many drugs that I fucked off my leg. One drug in particular. And I guess that's where I'm going to stop right now. That's where I'll pick up is D.O.B., which is just a fun, fun substance. Okay, recording on my break, 15, so, not going to be a lot, but I thought at least 15 is enough time to get through DOB, so, uh, where I last left, I'm talking about how I lost my leg after... Or we were talking about how I became homeless. And then what ended up leading up to losing my leg. Well, ultimately. So, living with 
brother's girlfriend, little daughter, two years old, sees me smoking, and she she basically like told one of her teachers that there was uh, that the the boy living with them or whatever, however she worded it. She she said the guy living with us, Eric blows his smoke out like this or blows smoke like this or something like that. I can't remember. She she mimed it. It got back to brother's girlfriend. Brother's girlfriend said, you know, can't have that around my daughter. I don't even think she knew it was dope, but she thought I was smoking weed around him or with an eyesight. So she couldn't have CPS get involved or anything like that, so me out the house. Go to live with my grandpa for about, I say, three months, two months before I just get tired of Florence again, the place that I tried to leave last time I was living there by killing myself or trying to kill myself. A handful of pills. I left there, decided it'd be a better option to be um, homeless in Austin. Uh, was having actually a pretty damn good time in Austin for about a year. Yeah, about a year. Didn't everything from living on my car to eating food pantries to <laughs> sleeping. There's this uh, one of the best best places I slept, at least outside, <laughs> or at least when I didn't have a crash to couch a couch to crash on. Wow. Uh, was this? Uh, there's this theater little place where they would show you know Romeo and Juliet in the park and and uh, this little amphitheater and it had like a control booth I think in electrical systems and just various stuff I don't even think you can get into the bottom of it, it might have just been like a little control tower area but it was basically at the top of the hill where a lot of people like sat underneath it and you know pull up chairs and whatnot, but on top of it, it had this badass roof that had a perfect like two, three foot sunk in uh, little had its own little like edge all around it. So when you're up there laying down, nobody could freaking tell you were there. So it's the best place in the world to pass out. It had like this little walkway going down, uh, leading to like the little under cemented area where you could sit and stuff. Going down, it was kind of on, on a hill all the way down. So the the roof corner of it was basically like near the top of the steps. All you literally had to do is just jump about a foot and a half, and you could be able to get onto this roof. And through we, me and my friend Seth who if this motherfucker is still out there I hope to god he's male modeling somewhere he was one of the most gorgeous men I've ever seen like I'm I'll say I'm attracted to some men but not not many that man was gorgeous so he and I were more or less bumming together for a while and we would sleep up there we went and got dog beds um like from a free, uh, a place where one of our other homeless kids told us uh, that there's a spot where you can go get free dog beds. So I think we went and got three or four of those. I had my car at this, another car, my first uh, Honda Accord, 98 Honda Accord, that I was basically living out of, and I was 
Um, that was more or less when I didn't have somewhere to sleep or whenever it got cold. But I was driving us to and from like food pantries and stuff like that. And we were both sleeping up there. And we, yeah, we got around getting dog beds and whatnot because of the car. So Mary Jane, Mary Jane, my first car. Um, living up there uh, for probably about six months. Yeah, I'd say f February, April to about October. Then, you know, it starts getting cold and start more bumming on couches. But in between time, I meet probably one of my other best friends in the world, Jacob, who I'm not really in touch with at the moment, but I'm sure I could get a hold of anytime. He's a good dude. And we, um, we are hanging out at this place called Rudamaya, a coffee shop where they do dubstep nights every Monday. There's this dude, that's only really significant to the story because that's kind of how I met everyone. Uh, there's this dude, Terry, who, um, who is selling fake acid. It's called D.O.B., uh, D dimethyl bromide, deoxymethyl bromide, something like that. Something bromine, bromide. And it's basically methamphetamine derivative. So if anybody's felt, gotten the story at this point, then you obviously know how much I love meth. You know, not, not, that was very sarcastic, although I can hardly tell. Um, but yeah, meth in its various forms has fucked up a myriad, a portion of my life. Uh, so, fake acid, it's, it's acid, but it's not, it's basically, it, yeah, it's fake acid, I mean, you literally take it, trip, but you trip about twice the length, so instead of 20, about 12 hours average, come up, come all the way back down, 12, 15 hours for an acid trip, depending on, uh, this stuff was at least 24, so you would you could take it in the morning and basically by that night potentially pass out a good 16 hours later if you'd been going all day or you know basically if you took it at night you're going to be going well into afternoon the next day and it was acid besides having like if anyone's ever done lsd out there it's there's a connectivity you feel there's a, a an openness a inspiration almost that like this internal awe and revel like you revel in life and just everything is beautiful but with dob it's i mean you you had the visual effects you could definitely see a lot of the same things that you would fractal wise on lsd but it was it was so fake i mean there was no connectivity there was it was it was a party drug it was a get fucked up, have fun all night drug. Not a not a let's connect and have a experience or an adventure kind of drug. I mean, you have adventures, but so I I had been doing it for say three months, four, no six months. I'd been doing it about on and off six months, really hard for about three months. So met Jacob probably sometime in the summer, got hooked up with D.O.B. around 
Yeah, I want to say around October. And then... Um, and then was just doing copious amounts of it. It all came to a head. Mad Hatter's Tea Party 2011. Or 2010. That's the... Uh, when was it 2011? Because I graduated high school. I... I guess it was 2011. Yeah, it, I'm, it was Mad Hatter's Tea Party 10. Whatever. Semantics. And I had a vial with just way too much about a th it was a, a wash so the remainders of a vial that had a thousand hits in it with just some water in it to slosh around the last little bit inside i split that with me my friend Rhett, and one of the djs and i mean we at least had a good 10 20 hits in us each like it was bad i was fucked there are pictures of me online on my on my facebook page that are just Probably, honestly, the most fucked up I've been in public, at least. I was uh, literally going around to people saying, Hey, yo, slap me in the face. Like, no, dude, seriously, slap me in the face as hard as you want to. Yeah, no, I didn't feel that. Not at all. Like, <laughs> I, I was gone. I, I basically danced my fucking left leg off that night, or the remainder of it. So, that night, I... <sighs> Fun story about doing cocaine with strippers, but... um. That night, after the cocaine with strippers, I was driving to my friend Jacob's house, I think, or just the park where I'd been staying. There's a co-op on the way. My friend Wicket had this little co-op called Marjorie Daw. I think it's since gone. And they, um, I, I, I was driving, losing my vision. I was this whole time I'd been having spots in my vision. And basically blacking out like while awake, just not not really, cause but cause I was conscious, but I was not able to see, and so I started losing it real bad. I started uh, wobbling on the road a little bit, so I said, "Fucking, I'm not driving anymore." I went over to my friend uh, Wicket's. Um, I got some bath salts, and this was bath salts before they were methadrone. Um, bath salts and from a, a, a person that was staying over there, a roommate or whatever, and basically because I complained of my feet hurting really bad. So I went upstairs, soaked my feet, uh, hung out at the, the co-op, maybe smoked, ate some shit, and then they set me up. They had this little wooden stage that they had built for shows because Wicket was in a band, um, and I had passed out on that after they'd set me up with some blankets and whatnot. And I woke up in the hospital, leg gone, what leg gone, but didn't even really realize it for about a week. And I woke up in the hospital, kind of out of it, unable to talk, unable to form sentences correctly, unable to think straight. And I had had about a week and a half in a coma, uh, multiple stents put in my neck to keep the blood flowing, uh, seizures, about a dozen seizures, um... And yeah, leg amputation. And a good bit of brain damage. I know for a fact there was brain damage. Um, and then I was hospitalized for about six months. And then that was seven years ago. Eight years ago. Yeah, it was 20 and some change. So this time next February. 
February 13th of next year will have been eight years. <sighs> Alright, well, I'm going to stop this because I feel like I at least skimmed over that section of my life. Got it all down. And I'm going back to work here in a couple minutes. And I'm going to finish smoking this bowl, which I will give you the pleasure of hearing me light up, but then I'm going to cut it off. I hope that was everything you hoped for. Oh. <sighs> Alright, see you guys at lunch. Alright. I'm gonna continue, but I feel like this is just gonna end up being a lot of stream of consciousness. So, let's see. Whenever DOB went over basically what left me homeless and without a leg. I guess uh, there's more shit I could tell, but really just from losing a leg, I win uh, uh, rehab centers, then out with my brother in Florence for a little while, then with my aunt, actually no, with my cousin for a little while too, and then with my aunt. Tried to leave my aunt for a little while and live with a friend, and it was, that was too expensive, so I went back with my aunt, and, and that brings me all the way out of Texas. Was, oh yeah, by the way, if any of that was ambiguous, all of that happened in Texas. I think I might have mentioned that a few times. But, all the way up to Colorado, and got reconnected with a high school boyfriend. They uh, wanted to get together and he was uh, moving up here for work, got a construction job, paying just stupid money. So they decided, you know, she only wanted to live in Colorado. Well, she did when she was younger, but she wanted to begin. Had been there for like 30 years. Been here for like 30 years. Speaking of the past tense. And then uh, they thought, you know, if it works out for a year, get married. They've been living here together. It's been a year. Not married. Plans on doing it. And um, that, breaks, that basically brings us to now. Um, working in cannabis, trying to find a place to live that's not under the same roof as her because she's an insane person. I love to death, but as an insane person, I will never, probably won't ever get off of the soapbox about <laughs> telling people how, how insane she can be, but I love her to death, and she's a good person. She just, as all of us, have a lot of, uh, bad personality traits and gets in her own way a lot of the time. I'll just, I'll, I always describe it a little bit. Um, that basically brings us to now, yeah, and what I, what I really want to get out of this podcast I've been figuring out is I want to have a bit of a record of myself 
spend this time trying to figure this shit out, seeing if, if I can listen back and find any progress. Uh, I want to be able to find out more about the people around me that I love, so a lot of interviews that none of you may have any interest in, because it's probably just going to be a conversation between me and a friend, or me and uh, a relative, which probably be less, even less interesting. Um, and I, I really would like to delve into some topic topics and some subjects and kind of try and suss out my own opinions on them and figure out if there's any way I can improve my opinions or my outlooks on them and hopefully just hopefully become a better person become someone I'd like to listen to in a podcast <laughs> so I so I, I, I don't doubt there will be a lot of apologies and a lot of I'm sorry's coming forward for at least, you know, a few because I'm not going to be very, uh, or probably not that interesting to be honest. That's why I'm very self-deprecating, which you'll come to find very, uh, in my own head and very unable to put anything out there without first running it through the filter of my brain know that it's I, I, alright like, like basically I don't say shit at all during work unless I'm listening in on a conversation I can find somewhere I can interject that's funny or interesting I mean I don't shit looks like oh, okay two miles and yeah, in the car as well, so you're always going to hear me talking to myself about where the fuck I'm going. But... As far as introductions go, I feel like I put a pretty decent one out there. I'm gonna... I was thinking about it, and I'm gonna simply include my Twitter at the end of this to, uh, for if anybody actually ends up listening to this, they could straight up just direct message me or at reply me, whatever they want, to uh, ask me a question that they'd like me to delve in more, or if there's something interesting that I've said that they actually want to know about, which I, you know, like I said, I highly doubt there is, but if this is... This is for me as much as it is for anyone that possibly, for whatever reason, stumbles across this podcast, or for a friend that hears it and then shares it with a friend that thinks, you know, they might need to hear some of this, whatever I'm saying, if I'm even saying anything. Because it's, yeah, it's for, it's for everyone. I, I want to improve myself, but I would like to, if I can, help someone out somewhere with, you know, something. I have no clue what you're even struggling with, but if any of my words could benefit you going forward, that's, I mean, that might possibly make 
everything worthwhile because I don't have a lot that's worthwhile in this life. Or at least not that I can quantify or be able to... put any... any effort behind or... I, I don't even know what I'm really saying. There's a lot of things worthwhile in this life, in my life. I just... putting effort towards them and getting past awkward stages and being able to connect. There's a lot I need to work on. But... I guess... Yeah, I guess that's me. Um, there's really... There's not a whole lot else I can say. Uh, if anybody has anything, just find you at any point, and there's anything that either future podcasts that I do doesn't answer or whatever. If you just want something from me, then I can help you more directly than uh, just talking at you for an hour or so. Please uh, DM me at uh, Cerebral Cyborg. That's C-E-R-E B-R-A-B-O-R-G Cerebral Cyborg. So, I guess that's me signing off. Um, see you guys next time.